welcome to another... The official podcast of The Leaky Cauldron. The Leaky Cauldron. The Leaky Cauldron. Do you hear that, Ern? The Leaky Cauldron. Just go. You're wasting time. Welcome to Pottercast, your number one source for news, theories, discussion and interviews with people from the Potter books and films. I know a small amount myself having written the books. My name is J.K. Rowling. I am now happy to introduce your hosts, Melissa, John and Sue. It's February sweeps and we are here with Pottercast number 137. Hey guys, Jeez. did we do February sweeps? What do we do for February sweeps? I didn't know that was February sweeps on oh, television. Should be, should be. And not really much this year. Hardly any new shows left. Hey man, Lost, Lost is back. At least there's four episodes of that, so that's something. I think they had like eight in the can or something. Yeah, but we're only going to get a little bit. And then they'll do the rest in May, right? Yeah, probably. Are they seriously going to do that? I don't think Oh. Burn. We should start making a podcast February Sweeps Month. This should be the month where we all fight, break up, somebody gets abducted, <laughs> okay. the terrorists come and get us, and then aliens abduct John. Yes. They haven't oh, already? All this month. This has happened previously. <laughs> we knew that about you. I'm used to it. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> anyway, welcome. It's Pottercast 137. I'm Melissa. I'm here with Sue and John, and we're joined today by a very special guest, Lisa. She is known as Quest Author on our site and on our forums. She's the author of yeah, how many books now? Well, there are three that are out right now. The fourth, which is Charm Quest, will be out within the next two weeks. Ooh, cool. Well, geez, perfect timing. I know. I got the finished book cover yesterday, and it's absolutely glorious, so I'm very, very happy. And how many have you written? This is where it gets a little embarrassing. I have the rough drafts for 20 in the Quest series. <laughs> wow. And, wow. <laughs> and a four drafts for a companion series, which are the Defenders of the Land. So oh, yeah. I am still... I'm still like faint and sweaty from one, so I don't understand <laughs> how you t- how you did this. So but we'll she- talk. To, we'll talk about all that in one minute. Right now, we're going to hear from Sue about what is going on in Zihari Pata news this oh, week. Awesome. There, there are news. We have news about the directoring ship directorship of. Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. David Heyman, producer, says that Guillermo del Toro is not really in the running. And that makes sense because he's now going to be humming the Hobbit film. So he can't take it on and do the Deathly Hallows movie. So that was kind of cool news. Do you know, I'd never seen a picture of Guillermo del Toro. I'd only seen Penn's Labyrinth. And I expected him to be a lot different looking than he was when I saw the picture associated with this article. I expected him to be like dark and brooding and kind of, you know. No. He looks like a, a, a general grade A geek. He does, <laughs> which is so great. That's what's wrong with that. No, you're right. No, it's fantastic. I just, <laughs> it's just your mind does these things, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, cool I think he would have did a, did a good job. I, I like Pan's Labyrinth. I like, you know, I mean, the, his Grantacy element, you know, would have been really good. I think so from a visual point of view, he would have been good, but he would have had so much fun with that oh, battle. God. Oh, yeah. yes, he would. <laughs> Ooh, but uh, so, don't see Pan's Labyrinth if you've just eaten. But we, but <laughs> Mr. Tor- Del Toro is not going to do it. So I mean, hopefully we'll hear soon. I mean, I just think that they need to soon, but. Yeah. I mean, okay, there's been some rumors going yeah. around. The set visit was recently was this week. A bunch of fan sites went mm-hmm. to the set. Um the along with other media, this happens for mm-hmm. every film. We're under strict embargo. If I say anything, we'll be shot. But um uh, you know, th- this is th- they're in the middle of filming one movie. This is around the time where we start hearing things about the next. But 
Stephen Clovis, who's writing the seventh film, is right. Is an, on strike. Right. <laughs> so they, they can't even speak no. to him. So unless the strike ends soon, yeah, unless the strike ends soon, it's 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 a non-issue. Mm. Pencils down means pencils down. You're not supposed to even be doodling it in your. In your I story. mean, I hope uh, this isn't going to lead to a whole you know Harry Potter fans for the writers uh, campaign if they hold up our movie too long. We can't oh, have our trio aging disproportionately. I mean, you can mess with all of Hollywood. You start screwing around with the with the Harry Potter fans as problems. I mean, yeah, totally. I mean, we are, have bigger numbers than anything. Well, God forbid they get a new screenwriter. <laughs> Sorry. No, 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 I mean, they're, they're all, all going to be the guild. It's the not guild. all of them. No, you, but you can't. If, if, if the Harry Potter films went anything non-union, there'd be strikes. That's true. And a whole other sort. That's true. Yeah. You know, and then, oh, God, now whoever was that writer would be killing the rest of his career. And, you know, so... So, but, you know, on the question of whether the Deathly Hallows be split into two, we, yeah. we've been talking about it nonstop here. We all seem to be of the opinion that it's probably going to happen. I'm certainly not unconvinced of that now. I'm ready for it. Are you kidding me? That's awesome. I just wonder how close they'll be released to each other. Yeah, there's all sorts it. of questions around that, huh? Yeah, and, and what they'll call it. Just Harry Potter, Deathly Hallows, part one, or, you know, Harry Potter, Deathly Hallows, and, like, Harry Potter and... The Battle know, of Hogwarts. The duel with Voldemort. Well here's, the, well, here's the thing. Ah, oh, be cool. <laughs> if How about this... Harry Potter and the Knights of Hogwarts for the second I want to volunteer, man. If right. they would just allow American old people um, like me to be in it, I would so volunteer. Just, I just want to throw a snorkel off, you know? Or just, How you funny, know, of, how funny would it be if Joe, written, Joe wrote in the last book how, you know, at some point, like, you know, three <laughs> three uh, older American people show up. Randomly show and they, up. And, and then they do something, like they're tourists or something, <laughs> but they have like a really big role to play. Yeah. And they're like, oh, it's time to cast Americans. Oh, my God. Here we go. You know the fanfic people imagine? are going to go nuts over that. They would freak. Could you imagine? That would have been too funny. The casting call. <laughs> Could you imagine? Like the whole country shows up in droves. Be this greatest thing. Be awesome. But you could be twelve to sixty year old. John, it would be so cool though if they could cast you as like you know Dalish just double or something. You know. Could you imagine though if they if they had like a Dalish you know like into the pensive, like his history kind of uh, flashback moment and there's a younger Dalish there and I'm like, well, if you need a younger Dalish. I'm your guy, this right? This guy over here. I'm right over here. So just keep that in mind, Clovis. You've done some crazy things before. This wouldn't be off, off the wall. <laughs> oh, I'm sure they're, they're just waiting, John. Well, well uh, filming <laughs> is say. ongoing for Harry Potter and the Hapled Prince. And we saw new photos and new video this time at Gloucester Cathedral. And there was one young man. They talked to the, like the extras they're going to be cast. And he said he was in Hufflepuff and he was sad. But I was like, you know... Come on, take pride in that. But all the kids are getting, uh, there's going to be like 174 extras of these students from the wow. movie, which is pretty, that's a lot of students, I thought. That is that's a, a tremendous of amount of students. But it kind of looks like they're they're filming a scene where like the outdoor, like they're putting up platforms like it could be outdoor, like the courtyard scene. Like, well, maybe it's like we talked about last week, well, maybe it's where Dumbledore is going to fall or I, I don't know. Or the battle, or... Yeah. What would, what would they be doing at Gloucester? I'm free, I'm free to opine about this because we didn't find this out, so... What could they be doing at Gloucester? We're still trying to figure this out. Have we had any email from anybody who thinks they know what the Gloucester filming would be? Uh, no. 
No. Yeah, I haven't seen anything. Nothing, either. which is surprising because usually, I mean, there's been a lot of kids that are saying, "Oh, my friends are in it and stuff," but no one, no one's um, saying what what's going to happen there, which is interesting. So well, maybe someone they're... needs to fess up. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> come, yeah, on. come on, you could sign it anonymously. It's okay. Yeah, but the... <laughs> maybe they have like a like some kind of. Uh... Memorial service for uh, for Dumbledore instead of like the the funeral how it was written outside at the tomb by the lake. Maybe I know, but that filming is going to take place next week in February for sure. So, well, I'm sure we have a lot of people have said that they're going to go there and take pictures and and report. So, stay tuned. We'll have them up as soon as we can, which is good. And I'm trying to think about this now. How many scenes in any of the movies so far have there been a whole lot of people? On one of the outdoor locations, like a real outdoor location, not something like that, uh, that, that wasn't, you know, one of the castles wasn't a trying to, I don't know. I'll maybe they just, back. Maybe. I guess when they, when they brought everybody from the train station in Phoenix, that was, that was off somewhere in the middle of nowhere. And there was a whole bunch of them. Maybe they're changing how people sit around for Quidditch. Maybe it's not going to be like we've seen it. Oh, that could be. Oh, but those stands are so iconic. Are they, though? We haven't seen them since movie three. We've yeah. all forgotten what they look like. It's been so long since we've seen Quidditch. Yeah. I mean, how they remodeled the castle how many times? Yeah, they true. remodeled Haggard's Dumbledore. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> Fair point. This is true. But these, they, you know, the students are talking about being being fitted for their school robes. So that kind of mm. in, indicates that these this is a classroom situation or something to do with the school. So. I don't know. I almost think it's some sort of memorial for Dumbledore, some sort of impact, you know, the, the students uh, assembling in the, the courtyard and having some sort of, I don't know, choir singing or something, which will make well, everybody cry. Please with frogs. Yeah, don't make frogs. the frogs come back. No. Please, no frogs. <laughs> no. It's not choir singing if there are no frogs. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, what's really interesting, though, about this movie that I'm anxious about, and we just heard a little bit from Mr. Alan Rickman um, when he was recently at Sundance, and he said he's never, he's still refusing to discuss his role as Snape because he doesn't want to ruin still? it. Isn't that amazing? Dude, cat out of the bag. Cat bag out. Yeah. Well, I mean, he probably has this thing with Warren Brothers. I mean, just like when the whole business for Phoenix was coming out, you know, when that was about ready to come out and, you know, they asked us not to talk about serious dying too much. It's like, that on, was everybody funny. knows it, but... Because with our audience specifically, there's just... That was... It, it was silly. We kept having to not say it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. That thing there, certainly nobody dies. No. No. That thing that happens. But I just... I'm anyway. so anticipating that scene, that conf- that final part of the book. I just think so much rides on him, you know, and and and, and Dan is Harry yeah. and, and Draco, for that matter. You know, Tom Felton, we haven't heard anything from him. I just think... Oh, can't wait. Can't wait. Um, one other final thing. Uh, J.K. Rowling was recently honored by the South Bank Show Awards. She got a special award for outstanding achievement for her massive sales and getting children to read. And um, we saw some videos and new photos of her. She was presented with to the award by uh, Lord Richard Attenborough, who is fabulous. And he had some really, really nice comments about Joe, although he was funny because he uh, said he's the only person that was never offered the role in a... Uh, in a in a movie and he said well and then joe joked well you know Al- michael gambon's gonna have a you know an accident or something so she he, he, lord attenborough could be in the film which was hysterical <laughs> and like oh, off no. all the paper like yes yes <laughs> you know it's funny go joe way to stir up the fandom way to go yeah for real 
It's really nice. But we have a really nice collection of, of video and, and uh, photos of Joe who look really fabulous. She had this great, like, I don't know what you call it, paisley print overcoat on. What's that kind of Asian looking? Well, she's always looking fabulous. Wow, she's, she's look rocking, I'm going to say. Yeah. This is Joe. Very glam. Very glam. Yeah. Very wonderful. The rock star. But we're all just. All right. So. Yes. <laughs> so, okay. Rock on. As we as we said before, we're here with our friend Lisa DeGroot, mm-hmm. who is otherwise known as Quest author on our site and on our forums. Mm-hmm. Lisa, tell us a little bit about your books. What kind of books are they? Well, surprisingly enough, they're fantasy. Um, <laughs> yeah, imagine that. Uh, and it's really interesting that uh, we've been talking a lot about Deathly Hallows and Order of the Phoenix and Good and Evil, because that's a major premise of my books is good versus evil. And while in the Harry Potter world, we're Harry is doing everything he can to destroy Voldemort in my world and in my books, evil is something that you have to learn to live with. And it's something that you have to maintain a balance with. So my books are more about maintaining a balance between good and evil so that you always have more on the side of good than on the side of evil. Friendship is certainly a common theme between the two because my books are all about the friendships that you make and protecting each other and helping each other. What's the first one about? Uh, Actually, the first one's called Oracle Quest, and it actually started in 1989 as a short story for my best friend, Katie. I was moving to San Diego, and I wrote her a short story. And my older sister, who is also an author, throughout the next decade was always like, you've got to write that as a full-length novel. It's really good. And she actually sent me the first Harry Potter book and said, this woman stole a lot of your ideas. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, well, she has griffins. I'm like, okay, so I have griffins in my book, and she has Gryffindor. It's not the same thing. <laughs> Trust yeah. me, Susan, it's not yeah. the same thing. But she's like, but it's written a lot in the style that you wrote yours, and I think you'd like it. And that's what got me hooked on Harry Potter. But um, I really was encouraged to start writing, rewriting Oracle Quest by her and by some other friends that I'd met actually on a now defunct Harry Potter forum who said, you write really well, you should write. Mm-hmm. So I took Oracle Quest and I basically made it into a full-length novel. And I realized partway through that this could be a series, and I kind of recrafted the world, and it really just literally took off from there. Um, and the first book is about a girl who is pulled from our world, which is called the World Dimension, to another dimension called the Land. And the Land has been recently invaded by evil. It had never had evil within its borders before, and it doesn't know how to fight evil. And everybody who's pulled from the world dimension has a special gift in the land. And Katie's gift is that she's an oracle, which is one of the most powerful beings that there is in the entire grid system. Yeah. Did you, were you influenced, like, with, after you became a Harry Potter fan, were you influenced to go and, like, um, detail your worlds? Like, like Joe has these, you know, famous volumes of things. Did you, or did you do it to that extent? I mean, if you have 20 of these things kind of, like, mapped out. <laughs> you know. you know, it, they kind of grew organically. It was very, very interesting how this world grew. And I knew I had the basic premise of there's a grid. And in my mind, I always imagine it like the old pegboard that your dad had in the garage that he would hang the tools on. And each one of those little holes was a grid. Um, The grid was a dimension. And each of those dimensions was separate from the other dimensions. And that kind of grid framework, that solid framework, really was the master behind um, my world that I built. And 
some things grew as I wrote the books. I was like, okay, that's interesting. And if I'm going to have that in this book, I'm going to need to make sure that I place it earlier. So in my editing process, I find that I'm doing a lot more of that layering. But because as I wrote the books, I kept copious notes. I think that instead of writing all the notes beforehand and then writing the books, my notes are happening at the same time that I write the books. So that's very interesting to me. Um, and I don't know that I've met any other author that has done it that way. And I don't know that I recommend it, but for me, it's worked <laughs> for me. It's worked. Cool. I, I just, you know, it just seems I, I like the way the story for, for those who haven't read it. Um, we do have them available in our shop and they're really quite good. And I like the first one, like how you took her from this opening, you know, like she's like a regular character, like a girl post like college and you know and then all of a sudden mm-hmm. she's she's like in my she meets this guy who's kind of like Dumbledore you know this this wizard and 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 I just thought that was a lovely scene and then you know she's transported so she wasn't like vacuumed like zapped off into like you know a spaceship or anything and I just thought it was really cool how you you brought these worlds in and then at the end it's really pretty cool too so oh I, I love I, the ending the fairy tales you know yeah. it, it's a great it's a great story and it is um, I have to say my uh, my friend Katie read that book throughout the 90s and every once in a while she would call me and say you know I reread my short story again and it just made me feel better and that's pretty much all that I want from my books I want people to read them and gain a little bit of understanding about themselves but I have always been intrigued by the ordinary becoming the extraordinary. I was just saying, well, you could correlate that, though, to the Harry Potter books, like you were talking about how the ordinary things still apply. I mean, here's Harry, who was who has been blessed with his extraordinary talents, and yet it's his common sense a lot of times that ends up in normal things that end up saving the day. And that's what I liked about your your characters, too, that, that do that. And it's interesting. I, I like it. I'm, well, thank I, you. I, I have fun with them. I do want to know, though, it, did Katie, did she have her own... St- Stephen in real life? Can you give us- Actually, she did. She met and ah, married yes. the most wonderful man about five years ago, and they are blessed with a beautiful daughter now. And it is, yeah, she did find her prince. And it's hysterical that uh-huh. his physical description is almost dead on to the Ooh. prince in the book. And is that an accident? No. I mean, she called me. They had been corresponding by email, and she called me and said, I'm going to meet this guy that I've been corresponding with. And I'm like, all right, be careful. It's internet friends. Yeah, I'm one to talk. But, <laughs> but <laughs> seriously. Talk, yeah. But she went and she met him, and they fell in love. And when she called me and said, I am head over heels for this guy, but you're going to die when you see his picture. And she sent me his picture, and I was like, you've got to be kidding me. You have got to be kidding me. He is a dead-on ringer for the Prince of the Land. The curly wow. black hair, the blue eyes, very tall. I was like, wow. oh, that is just, that's sick. <laughs> There's awesome. something wrong with me. <laughs> I love As, that she saves him. Yes. That's right. Girl power. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I have to tell you, when somebody goes to the land and then they come back to the world dimension, they're known as protectors of the land. And I love my protectors. I think they're fabulous. But my boy protectors, I adore. But my women protectors... They really can kick some serious butt. They can. And I just love that. And I love that they are strong women of their in their own right. And that's important to me because I wrote these books in a lot of ways for my children as well so that they would know who I am. And that's one of the lessons that I want them to learn. What a great thing for them to have, you know, in 100 years when you're not, you know, next to them anymore. Absolutely. I think they'll learn a lot about me and who I was as a person. And I have to tell you, my daughter did her book report in November last year on Oracle Quest. 
at school. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty cool. It is. Cool. That's awesome. Do, you, do, you, yeah. do they ask you, do they badger you for like, okay, give us, tell us what's going to happen? Actually, they do. My son really wants to read them. I'm asking him to wait another year. Um, I just got my personalized license plates in the mail this week. <clears throat> Excuse me. And they say the seer is now my license plate on my car. Um, And the seer of the land is a character in the book. So they know so much about them. They know about the land trees. They draw me land trees constantly. Um, They're really absolutely adorable about it. They'll hear a song on the radio and they're like, oh, mom, that's a quest song. You you write to when you're writing, you play that song. So they know all this stuff. And it's it's fun that they share that with me. And I think it has given us, um, you know, a way to communicate with each other and talk about things and growing up. Right. Well, Lisa, listen, Lisa's going to be around to talk, with, to talk Potter with us for the rest of the show. Lisa, where can people buy your books? They can actually go to my website, which is www.thequestbooks.com. Cool. Um, and they will have links there to Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iUniverse. They all have them. And actually, they're available in um, regular book form. And they're also available in ebook, which is an option that a lot of people like. And uh, poke around the website. It's a lot of fun. We have a forum that the characters actually come out and play. So if you like Katie, she may come out and talk to you on the forum if you're on the forum posting questions and stuff. So it's a lot of fun. It's a whole lot of fun. Cool. Well, that does it for now. We're going to go and jump right into Phoenix Files. There you go. Phoenix Files. That's my imitation of Dumbledore saying, welcome, welcome to the Hogwarts. Only we're not talking about Dumbledore. We're talking about the DA, sort of, in this segment. And Hermione. Oh, we're talking about Dumbledore. Are we? No. Well, this is the Darn segment it. where we take a look, a closer look at the Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix film. We're taking a little bit at each time. And this time we're going to be talking about the DA and Neville and that mysterious room of requirement and all kinds of good things. And we are... Join with Lisa. Hello again, Lisa. Hello. And of course, Melissa and John are here too. Howdy, howdy. howdy, howdy. Aren't we all always talking about Dumbledore? Dumbledore. I don't know. He's just so intriguing. <laughs> Dumbledore. Well, you said that Melissa reminded me of Popper, Potter Popper Pals. Dumbledore. Dumbledore. <laughs> don't start me singing that again. <laughs> Snape. Snape. Dumbledore. All right. So okay. we left we off. And. Um, the kids just had their DA meeting, all excited to get going with it, and they um, decide to have it in the Room of Requirement, which is our first glance of the Room of Requirement mm-hmm. in this movie. So I would suppose a nice place to start is, what did you guys think of how they portrayed the Room of Requirement? Was it kind of what you thought? All those mirrors and everything? It was close, but I thought it was a little bit more dirty. Than I had envisioned it. <laughs> really? <Yeah. laughs> a little more cobwebby than I would have imagined. And I think that having all those mirrors around, while it kind of is a dance studio vibe, uh, could be kind of dangerous <laughs> with flying shards of glass once people start having spells that go awry. So, Bombardias! Yeah. Boom! Yeah. You know, shrapnel is Maybe never good. enchanted. No. <laughs> no. Maybe they're like hurricane glass or something, or they're like enchanted not to... Uh... Not to shatter or something, because that would be kind of yeah. dangerous. And I wonder if spells like will reflect off of them. like light. 
Seriously, <laughs> <laughs> that would be very dangerous. Like in Link, when you use a mirror to... Not good. That's true, yeah. Play... goes bouncing off the walls <laughs> until it hits somebody. Do you ever play Adventures of Link? You use the spell to, like, bounce the spells back to the mages and they... Okay, I'm a geek. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love no. And that's a surprise. Here, Mel, that's okay. <laughs> Sometimes it just shines through like all silver. Like, okay. Yeah. Um, it does. But you know, that room, I guess they had it mirrors to make it like kind of like mysterious and bigger and like, you know, how it's supposed to change or something. I guess I know from a filmmaker's point of view, I don't know how you would go about conceptualizing that but just I kind of with and with Lisa it wasn't quite what I expected but at the same time I thought it was kind of cool but I don't I don't know if I wanted it to be all so like you know the love shack room with all the mirrors it just kind of flipped me on a little you know bit. what you know what I didn't love about this is that um the room requirement as we read it in the books is very uh wholly changed when it yeah. needs to be a practice room the walls change there are there are books on the walls there's right. all the things they might need there's you know there's cushions this is like you found a big room right yeah and what do we need yeah. it to be right now we just need it to be a big room right yeah. okay and you it, know it's it's less less wholly done and it didn't have the kind books of boring, and stuff. That. you know i expected the books i expected the cushions i kind yeah. of envisioned a wood paneled room for some yeah. reason and it just was a little bit different i did like how the columns didn't completely go down i thought that was an interesting yeah effect that magical this needs to be taller or bigger we can't exactly find it's a columns thing they just didn't seem to bring the character of the room alive they didn't seem interested in showing us what the room kind of actually was there, there's so many opportunities to show things appearing out of nowhere harry says you know oh oh we're going to need cushions there should be cushions blossoming out of nowhere right you right. know it's mm. and it's such, it would be such a cool effect too well, I wasn't expecting either the big, I'm not sure if it's in the scene, but the, the big dummy practice, dummy death eater, dummy practice thing target. That flipped me yeah. out. The DE bit. bot. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> it. Yeah. Just kind of, yeah. was a little bit. I kind of thought um, we would have seen maybe the room actually do the transformations at some point, like when they're walking into it. Because just, I, I mean, maybe it's the product of reading too much fan fiction or... <laughs> Or or what? But like this room could turn into anything. I mean, it it turns into something like, how do they describe it? Like 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 uh, almost like a cathedral or something with rows and rows of trinkets and things. When they're trying to find the Horcrux and Deathly Hollows and everything, like this room mm-hmm. can can give you any size, any any kinds of guts inside of it, and uh, it just seemed very boring <laughs> and. And uh, the, throughout the whole movie, and I, I think, wonder, uh, I wonder if when we see it for six people and it's like full of junk and stuff, will people just think that now just it's become full of junk, right. or that it's just showing Let's us see. one facet of itself? They'll probably think it's just become full of junk. Yeah, unless they show like some kind of transformation or something, which would be cool. But, uh, I don't know. Mm. I guess they figured it was un- unnecessary and expensive. I guess yeah. that the one thing about that beginning part of that scene that bothered me the most though was that once again Hermione was as she has been used in the movies throughout became like the voice of explanation this is the room of requirement this is what it does and that kind of bothered me a little bit but I understand it had to be done but it always seems to be Hermione who gets on the teachy voice about those kinds of things Neville, you found the room of requirement. John what did you guys goes, think of that? What did you think about does. Neville fi- finding it? What do you guys think about that? I thought it was kind of 
You know, I mean, obviously, they since they didn't have Dobby, it was, but um, yeah. I don't know. What do you think? I mean, are we supposed to assume that this is the first time that any of them have ever found it, though? Because well, how would they? I mean, Harry had to have seen it. Yeah. Or at least known about it no. to the point where he was the one that was going to know how to find it. No. I don't know. No. Or Neville? Why they've Neville? Never, they've never need, been in need of a room like that before. So if they are all walking around being in need of a room, and Neville is the one to walk by the area first, you know? Mm-hmm. But. Neville, mm-hmm. Neville, I, I sort of like it. Knowing knowing what we know about Neville now in that room, yeah. I kind of, I, he gets it. He's the man. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, he is the man. Yeah. That's right. You know, that's what they say in seven. Neville's the man. Like, yes, <laughs> yes, he is. So, so I'm okay with that. I, I kind of liked how they had the door the way it appeared in and out, uh, you know, as part of the wall. Um, we have a really kind of cool, this kind of, sidetrack thing but there's and in our galleries we have the making of if you've got the dvd they showed how they made that scene of, yes. of the, the 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 squares kind of opening up for that and it's really pretty pretty interesting how they shot that so it's kind of a fun thing but i wasn't sure how they were going to make those doors kind of appear but it was kind of cool i don't know yeah well, what do you guys think of um how you know crazy intense filch and umbridge were trying to uh to catch them this whole time it's a sick love filch and umbridge <laughs> I was disgusting. I can't watch that part where he gets I'll go to the, house of, there. Oh, go to the house of there. <laughs> yeah. um, I it's thought gross. it was good no, comedic acting, couple. actually. Yeah. Is this when he's sitting there? He's sitting there I mean, eating his sandwiches, right? Yeah. yeah. He's got a lawn chair out yeah. eating, <laughs> eating tuna fish. And the pustules. Waiting for something to happen. Oh, the, oh I can't. Oh. Oh, don't mention. I can't. I can't. I can't. Don't. Ugh. I can't. It's yeah. just. I, I, it makes I'm sense. Part of if, George's candy. If at this point she's got the she's got the school wired, then right, yeah. then it's the one thing she can't control. It would make sense that it would drive her completely wild, you know. Yeah. But yeah. And, and, and I mean, this was also part of the uh, montage, I think, when she dubs the uh, the Slytherins to be all the Inquisitorial Squad. Yep. Oh right, right. And I do think there's a lot of really neat little subtle. Um, shots in that montage i think that some of the like i said the physicality of it with uh, the room parting and neville standing alone in the room and he kind of ducks out like he doesn't want to be seen and luna skipping and all of those things i it really just kind of highlighted the characters in a way um that i mm-hmm. thought was kind of nice for the for yeah. the middle of the series to kind of be reminded um you know that's the montage that has when uh ron and hermione and she stupefies him and he's like oh i, I let her do that yeah, it's good manners. Good, good point. <laughs> right, that's so <laughs> funny. Well, that's right. I mean, we we kind of went over it too quickly, but uh, this was the first time we've really seen uh, Harry, you know, come into his own in the whole teaching aspect, too. This was their first lesson um, mm-hmm. in, in the DA, and uh, just to see everybody respond so well to him. It's I, I tried to compare it to, like... Uh, you know, like at at my school, if there was one kid who was really good at something, he was gonna t- tell the whole class as a club how to do it. I can't imagine everybody just going with it without any kind of uh, you know sarcasm or disbelief. They all just respect and are in awe of him. I guess after what they heard about his fourth year. I love when he says, you know, and this wasn't even in the book, and I really enjoyed it. Um, no. All the other great wizards in history started started out just like us right. students. If they can if they can yeah. do it, why not us? Like it's just it's a nice little little thing to see as Harry starts 
becoming a leader. But he he cottons onto it real quick. <laughs> yeah, he does. And I, I, mean, I do I, like that, yeah. that change from just being one of the kids to being that person who's going to have to lead. And I think it's actually a, a sign of the comfort level between the trio that Hermione and Ron don't automatically try to share that with him. They do take that step back. And um, in a lot of friendships of that age, I don't know that that would happen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Harry, you know, he saved the world a few times. <laughs> Just a few. Did, do we do we see the floating mysterious Colin Greavy replacement boy in the scene? Yeah. Or is that well, later, later on, on I think closer to Christmas, yeah. but but the, yeah. yeah, it's in yeah. there. The, but he pops yeah. up here, right? Well, what was their yeah. first lesson? The first lesson. The stupefied. They tried to do the Expelliarmus, weren't they? Yeah, and Neville probably... couldn't get it the whole time. Right. And right. Twenty minutes into the movie, he finally gets it, or something. <laughs> well, it's actually from the beginning to the end of this whole montage. It just seems to be the whole progression right, right. through the fall and into to the right. the Christmas break. Rain. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, I just I remember watching. I remember the day that Warner Brothers released that that first still of them standing oh. in that room, and I just remember like being so excited just to see the DA, you know, and then for us to get to see this in the movie, it was, you know, I was, it was better than I thought, and in other parts it wasn't, but it was just really exciting to see them actually like doing the spells, and you think, okay, I could be me, you know, and I just thought that was yeah. so the for. You know, that was really pretty exciting. Although I kept looking for like, you know, like Michael Corner and all the like the, you know, they call him the stringy Slytherin guy or whatever. They didn't give him a name and stuff, you know, and so I kept like looking, trying to watch it every time I watch a movie, looking to see who all the different like minor characters were, you know, yeah. just <laughs> looking for the Hufflepuffs <laughs> as usual. But, you know, were there any Hufflepuffs in the DA? Yes, there were a couple of unnamed ones. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Definitely someone who but, looked like you know. Zachariah Smith. I'm not up on my Hufflepuff yeah, trivia, I guess. Hey, man, Susan Bones and, and, and Ernie McMillan. Right, right, you know, of course, come on. those sound familiar, absolutely. Yeah, you know. Mm, you got me. Yeah, well, <laughs> come, come to me about, and we'll talk about Hufflepuff, okay, John? Oh, I know. <laughs> okay. But yeah, so that was pretty cool scene, though. Uh, although, we saw what you were talking back to when you were talking about the Inquisitional squad. In- yeah, so Inquisitorial. Um, we saw was that Pansy Parkinson or was that I mean was she in there? No, I don't it was remember some random shot. They didn't cast Pansy yeah. for just five. Just random. Yeah. They're casting okay. Pansy for six. Yeah. I think we just found out who she is actually. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, because she's actually like a real character in six, as opposed to five. She's kind of just the like a, yeah, walks through. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that girl who played Pansy in movie two is no longer around. Oh, oh. the Pansy that shall not be. That was that was number three, wasn't it? Someone was it three? Up, yeah, I think you're right. I think it's three. Well, um, have we about covered it? I think this is I about think, it. I think we could nail that into the ground. <laughs> um, <laughs> next week we have the moment uh, many ladies were waiting for is when uh, Harry gets his first kiss with a certain Ooh. Cho Chang, and uh, the <laughs> the photo of Cedric does not approve <laughs> in the mirror. <laughs> Which I love, and um, yeah, nothing and then, like that guy you know, humor. And then uh, Harry goes back and tells uh, Ron and Hermione all about it, which was some pretty fun moments. Mm-hmm. Cool, awesome. Kissing next week. Cool, cool beans. Well, let's push on, and um, you never know how to move on to the next segment. Let's go to the next segment. Move on, <laughs> and we're moving on, <laughs> and away we go.
And it's time for Deathly Hollows, bits by bits, bits at a time. Um, we left you last week with Chapter 6, The Ghoul in the Pajamas, Part mm-hmm. 1. But uh, we have a whole second half to this chapter, which um, pretty much, I think, deals with the trio and Harry. Well, I guess the trio includes Harry. The trio are talking about the, the trip and the horcruxes, and Harry's all like, no, you can't come with me, and then they're all, they all tell him Harry's like, Didn't we do this how last many year? things they right. did yeah. to to get ready for this. And Harry's and, all, um, you know, they're all, look, we did the whole conversation by the side of the lake. Did you, did you get your ears cleaned or something? Yeah. yeah. It's like right. it happens once a movie. Or yeah, once a movie. it's true. It's true. I'm too dangerous, guys. <laughs> so dangerous. You can't come with me. But we have to. Otherwise, it wouldn't be much of a fun book. It'd just be Harry going off by himself. It'd just be you and your inner monologue, which <laughs> exactly. sucks because you just write serious or go to the owlery. Or we'd be back in book five when you were just screaming yeah. at everybody. Exactly. I... But, uh... <laughs> But I was surprised by one thing in this chapter, is uh, because I always thought that the ghoul in the attic was some kind of euphemism. Oh, right. <laughs> For... it, it wasn't actually there. It was just like, oh, that's just Molly and Arthur <gasps> being noisy. <laughs> oh, come on, they got how many damn kids? Charles, we can't oh, I mean, you'd think that they would have developed some kind of thing over the years. Like, oh, uh, dear. Oh, don't listen to that. That's just the ghoul. <laughs> Has two voices, well, the clanking chains is a little a... scary, then. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they have to after all those years. I'm telling you. I don't know. Alrighty, you guys. I are, am not participating are, in this conversation. Are, are, the ghoul exists. No, he does bad? exist. John Noey. This is oh, our R-rated god. podcast. Yeah. Oh. And he's smelly. He's smelly. He's is that the ghoul or is that the spattergoit, though? Well, I, it's like. I think that might be the the ghoul, and then the pus is the spatter goit. Okay, yeah. and spatter whatever. And what's the difference between a ghoul and a ghost? Do we know this anything about that? I mean, he uh, didn't mention uh, that it was transparent or anything or, yeah. or iridescent. It looks like it's actually a like a physical yeah. form. Yeah, looks well, yeah, like you could touch it, put clothes on it, and it doesn't yeah. seem to Dress be able to talk make it though. At all. Yeah. This exactly. one just like drools and you can brush its hair. <laughs> it's like Barbie for lizards <laughs> or everywhere. Exactly. Well, I got curious and I looked up what a ghoul is online, and it's supposedly an evil demon that feeds on human flesh after it robs their graves. Yikes! So is that a good thing to have what in your is attic? Doing in the Weasley house. That's <laughs> <laughs> pretty bad. That's what I'm thinking. I don't know. <laughs> I'm guessing I hope, J.K. Rowling's I hope definition. I she was just uh, inspired yeah. by them and exactly. made her own type of ghoul. Yeah. Based on. <laughs> I mean, what, how does this thing live in an attic, though? What does it eat? What does it do Are all there day? other Weasleys we don't does know about? Does it go out and hunt? I don't... I, it's not a I mean, hunter-gatherer like, ghoul. you know, a disfigured child the Weasleys had at one no, point? No, no, he just moved in. He's like a lost bean, and it just happened to inhabit the top yeah. part of the burrow. You know, he's part of like a character it's kind like, of thing. He's not like a hunter gatherer going to go out. Maybe he goes yeah. out and hangs out with the gnomes in the garden, but I don't, I don't think that he goes. It's like Jacob Marley going out the up gnomes. there. They have quite the party in the Weasley Garden. Come Maybe on. you never Ooh, know. The gnomes. Heck yeah. <laughs> For real, too right. I don't know. I love it. Too right. So, <laughs> Brit boy. So, um. The funny part about that too was that um, is that it was Fred and George and yes. Arthur mm-hmm. who helped to make this whole transformation to make him more passable as Ron. 
Which, if I was Ron, I wouldn't be very amused at being compared to a I ghoul. thought it was pretty smart, actually, on Ron's part. You know, I mean, if that was his idea to come out yeah. with it, or whoever did, that was a really good idea. I mean, because they have to ex- explain his absence somehow. I thought that was pretty clever. Yeah, nobody's, nobody wants to go near somebody with a spolter guy or whatever. Got the cooties. Well, <laughs> I mean, what, what Harry says about it is that he's sure that ghouls were usually... Oh, crap. I'm, I'm dropping my book. Hang on a second. Ghouls were usually slimy and bald, which is to answer our other question, mm-hmm. rather than distinctly hairy and covered in angry purple blisters, but then Ron says, yeah. he's me, see? And Harry's like, no, I, no. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's not you. He's all proud of yeah. the creation. He's just right on top of that whole concept, Disney, of hiding. Yeah. Well, when you think about, you know, you know, that's comparing Ron's effort here to all of Hermione's efforts, because we're trying to organize the whole dang trip <laughs> and get all the books ready to go. Yeah. Speaking of books... Most important book? Well, yeah. The Darkest of Arts. Is that what it's called? Something yeah. similar to that. And she gets it. She finds out all about Horcruxes by performing an accurate I mean, spell. I thought that was really yes. interesting that, and I th- I kind of thought that the secrets of the darkest art, that Dumbledore kind of like prearranged that, like or some, some sort of thought, yeah. you know? I, I don't know. It just seemed kind of convenient that all of a sudden oh, this book, a key book, flies into her hands. I don't know. <laughs> I, I think he was very, he was very thoughtful in that he thought that at one point they, one of them would think to try to find more about it, and so he wouldn't go about making it entirely impossible yeah. to, to figure out. No, I agree with that completely. I think it was a complete setup, and that he knew that Hermione would figure something out like that. Yeah, but when and, the- and you wonder if he did an enchanted to only respond to the oh. trio. Yeah, because, I mean, there surely had to have been other people that wanted to know about that book, you know, or about Horcruxes or, you know, I mean, uh, if, you know, why why couldn't Voldemort summon it? I mean, he already knows how, but why wouldn't one, right. he want to have it hanging around in his Voldemort yeah. library, you know? I think it's it's kind of a funny thing with these books that we don't we don't really see out of the whole school of people, too many other people get into yeah. trouble. Unless it's Harry or somebody, Harry knows. <laughs> <laughs> You'd think that... Uh, that there would be people trying to sneak into the restrictive section other than Harry. But, but it, just, uh, it just astounds me how, how, how on the tip of the thread of a needle, whatever, this mission hinged. Mm-hmm. Somebody closed a window, they would have never had that info. Yeah, yeah. a helpful house elf you know? could have derailed the whole thing. Exactly. Yeah. Like so many factors could have just sent the whole thing careering off the rails, which I guess, which I guess makes a good... You know, adventure. It's in the script. I mean, how strong is the Accio spell, though? I mean, when they Accio the brooms and and Phoenix, they blasted off the chains and they they came through the dungeons or whatever they were. Would would a window have stopped a book? Well, I don't think so. I don't think so, too, but, you know, if we go by by the premise that maybe Dumbledore had arranged it, then maybe, you know, his force would have yeah. given energy. But I always thought that Akio had a lot to do with the strength of the wizard. I mean, Fred and George, let's face it, are pretty yeah. pretty powerful wizards. I mean, they're pretty creative, you know, That's and true. Harry certainly is. So I don't know, maybe it's... I just thought that the finding out how to kill the Horcruxes would be something that was a little bit yeah. harder yeah. Yeah. than that. Or it came at a more... Um, <laughs> A more uh, set up moment yeah. in the plot. 
Yeah. You know, but I, guess I think not. this way it cut out a hundred pages out of the book, though. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. True. They had to go on a quest to get the book, and then a quest to start the quest. It's like, geez. I mean, my and the best is that Hermione. My thought when oh, I first ahead. read it was, okay, so why didn't back in Goblet of Fire Harry do that when he needed to learn how to breathe underwater? Huh. Well, well he's Akio, not Hermione. Yeah, unfortunately, underwater spell or something. Yeah. Well, Hermione didn't think of it. There you now. go. That's <laughs> it. <laughs> you know. It's true. The best is that Hermione's all remorseful, like, oh, you know, I feel so bad. Upset. You know, I'm th- I know, I feel bad for, for reading them. It's not like anybody else wanted them. And Ron just goes, can you hear any of us complaining? Yeah. <laughs> you know? so she's being all, all Hermione and Ron, just his humor is just... You, you know, but then... Like about the basilisk Yeah, the basilisk, fang. right? Because, I mean, we got that explanation right away about, you know, what it is mm-hmm. and why the, 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 the fang, you know, and the, the diary and that came up. It's like Joe was, like, listening to the fandom for, like, the last two years after Haplet Prince and, like, tried to put it in there. Like, okay, here. You know? Right. Just kind of... Well, it says it's... it's 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 You can kill a horcrux with basilisk venom <laughs> Ron's like, oh, good, good, good thing we have this large supply of basilisk fangs. I was wondering what we were going to do with all of them. Yeah. <laughs> have them in a little Ziploc bag. In the exactly. Freezer. Yeah, Just a, a Ziploc bag made of made out of adamantium, yeah. like yeah. <laughs> you know. So I love it. So what else happens here? The floors, the floors de liqueurs arrive. God, floors, they're annoying. De liqueurs. I was actually kind of relieved what? that they were nice. After all. You know, I was afraid they were going to be snotty and look down their noses at the beloved burrow, but they were pretty, you know, they settled in pretty quick and seemed pretty appreciative of everything yeah. that the Weasleys had done. So I was kind of glad about that. And you think it was genuine? I do. Uh, I do. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. They, seemed, they didn't seem hoity. They seemed helpful. I think Flora maybe got it. How, do, how if they're so pleasant and nice and they're, they, they don't have airs the way, how did, how did Flora get them? Well, but Flora's a, or she's a Vila, right? I mean, her mother not, is not a Vila. Yeah. Did we, I mean, is... I guess not. Was that her mother's named Apolline, which probably says a little bit about her status. Oh, yeah. What's that mean? It's, it's a female version of Apollo. Right. The god uh-huh. of the sun. Yeah. She's probably all shiny. <laughs> shiny. <laughs> shiny. I thought Apollo was like one of the gods of war or something. Like I, I think Apollo's the sun. I'm... Now you have me in a crisis of confidence, and I have to yeah. Google. <laughs> I was just going over. You um, just like to mess me up. Greek mythology with uh, Samantha. Light and the sun. So. Light and the sun. I don't know, but who's the guy the like from French films, or you know, or like in film Monsieur? And he pop his little hand. He's like a little French major de. Pepe Le Pew. Yes, that's him. And when I was reading the that, skunk? that's what popped in my head when I was reading about Papa, Le, you know, Delacour from Fleur's family or whatever there. Mama, Papa, she comes flying Exactly. Down. Thank you, Melissa. That's exactly what I was saying. I was thinking more like the Swedish oh, chef. <laughs> <laughs> or the chef from The Little Mermaid. I love that movie. Okay. Oh, we're such geeks. I'm sorry. That's so funny. And then we have just, sorry. <laughs> so funny. Lisa's Don't, like, oh, you can't you can start with a little mermaid. It'll be just an hour and a half of. Okay. Um, then we have preparation for the wedding. Pretty boring yeah. stuff. The house looks great. It's so clean. It's shiny. Everything's clean. More of Mrs. Weasley being annoying about all the dang chores and 
and not letting them, and not letting that. them spend any time together to make any kind of plans. No. no. You well, think that she was like uh, suspecting they were involved in some kind of like romantic relationship with each other? Who? You could. <laughs> Who? The trio. What? Who are you, Alfonso Cuaron? <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know. It's like it, it just reminds me of like two teenagers going into the bedroom and being, mom being all like, "Keep the door open." You know, like she doesn't. I don't want to have you two any more, more than some kissing. In there now. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think she's a little more worried about them dying. Yeah, pretty yeah, much. There's that. Oh, you gotta watch the age. John, no. I don't know. No. You're so strange. So, but that 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 but that that was just like a real slice of life chapter. That's what I I liked it. I just like I loved the Weasley family this whole series, and I love when they would go to mm-hmm. the borough. And I, so I really I from that point of view, I enjoyed the chapter and just the sense of like what the hustle and bustle of like you know sweeping up the getting rid of the chickens and just that kind of like you know you have that image in your head and it's just it's funny. So I, from that point of view, I really liked that chapter. I think that actually wraps oh, okay. up the chapter. <laughs> cool. Does it not? I, I so. believe it does. I believe so. But we will have next week the chapter seven, the will of Aldous Dumbledore, Ooh. which is one of the more exciting chapter titles, I think, mm. since chapter one's title, at least to me anyway. Do you know the it's only a... chapter title I knew going into this book was The Life and Lies of Albus Dumbledore? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's right. I remember Imagine that. knowing nothing about the book but that. Wow. <laughs> oh, God. I miss when we didn't know. Okay, sorry. <laughs> On that happy note. <laughs> yep. Tune in next week for the first half of Chapter 7. And more Little Mermaid. Welcome to Scurvy 5, the five-minute podcast of the Leaky Cauldron's premier essay project, Scribulous. I'm Laura, or Music Cows, and today I have with me two other editors, Aaron, or Calpheus, on the boards... Hi, guys. And Beth, Looney Love on the boards. Hi. So, anyone out there still got your wand in a knot? Well, if so, you'll be very relieved because today we're talking about an essay in issue 21 called Still Got Your Wand in a Knot? Wand Lore and the Elder Wand Examined by the Rotfang Conspiracy 07. Yes, now this is a deep essay. Our short segment here isn't going to do it justice because of the complexity of the issue, but... That won't stop us from trying, will it, girls? No. Oh, no, no. So this essay really explores the Elder Wand, and it takes it from the words that are used to describe it all the way to its entire purpose in the series. The author basically concludes that the Elder Wand itself is very important to the outcome of the series and to the overall moral message of Deathly Hallows. Right, that's right. The author does say that, and it's interesting because it seems to me like Especially on the forums, I've been reading a lot of people saying that they don't feel like the moral themes in the Harry Potter series are clear. And I think it's interesting because this author does feel that there are a lot of clear moral themes. And he especially talks about chivalry as fundamental to the series. And I have to say that I agree with him. Right. I don't find it morally ambiguous at all. You just have to do as the Malfoys do. (laughs) (laughs) Right, Laura. Well, I'll remember that, too. But seriously, though, I found our heroes powerfully chivalrous. And, you know, there are several key things that Rafang brought up that we can touch on here. One of them is the terms used by Rowling to describe wands. 
Yeah, Aaron, terms are definitely central to his reading of the role of wands in the Harry Potter series. Allegiance, disarming, conquering, mastering, all very medieval terms that evoke thoughts of knights and chivalry. In wand lore, the historical context for the use of the term allegiance is discernibly medieval. A wizard masters the wand. The conquering of the wand and the disarming of the previous owner all indicate a violent and hierarchical context in which the parameters for wand lore have been set. And not only that, Beth, but um, he speaks in the essay about the importance of the Elder Wand as a parable. He wrote, The Elder Wand is then a supreme paradox, for the true master has to somehow survive without being defeated, despite its being a magnet for violence, and then only in order to destroy its power forever. Right. And you know, Laura, that's really that was really a big thing for me. It was kind of a revelation when I thought about that, because I think in order to understand what happened in the complex Deathly Hallows Endgame, which we were all sort of trying to figure out for months after we finished the book, we had to kind of accept (laughs) that Rowling depicts power through the series as utterly self-defeating. And for a long time, I felt that she was showing love defeating evil. But I now realize that in so many ways, she was showing evil defeating itself. That's pretty deep, Erin. So that would mean that this instrument that Lord Voldemort thought would save him and allow him to bring down Harry really turned out to be the means for his demise. It's pretty brilliant, isn't it? I think it is, yeah. And not only that, but Rotfang had something to say about the Elder One and Snape. Oh, God. Uh, of course. Everything comes back to Snape. <laughs> Everything's about Snape. <laughs> That's right. Right, Aaron. Rotfang has an explanation in his essay for why Dumbledore would fail to tell Snape about the wand. But... If you want to know it, you have to go to his essay in issue 21 at Scribulus at www.scribulus.com. That's right. Okay, great job, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Bye, everyone. Oh, it's the end. <laughs> oh, it's the end. Oh, it's the end. No. The end of another show. So sad. How many more shows do we have left now, guys? 448,000. Oh, no! You know what's funny to me is that I do my calendar on on Google, and uh, I have all my classes blocked out, and I've got my graduation date in there coming up in like five or six weeks. Ooh, cool. I've got everything, everything in that calendar, but you you have the repeat function on on there. So when you say like... um, you know, you put in a thing and say, like, every week or whatever until this date. It also has an option to go, like, no end date in sight. <laughs> so I have recording podcast in there. No end in sight. And every, every Thursday and like, forever is, like, on my, like, every single page. It's like, oh, this is lovely. <laughs> That's oh, not a bad I'm thing. I'm so, so excited. It's not a bad thing at all. <laughs> I'm of happy about it's that. Not. It's, it's a great thing. <laughs> no, we're... <laughs> We're very happy about it. We will be. We'll be here. Through. We got plenty. Hey, we got three movies left. Uh, yeah. And a theme park. Maybe. <laughs> oh, and the theme park. theme park. Jeez, man. I'm so ready for I that. Can't wait. So I'm hearing over and over from everybody who has who has an informed opinion about it has been just saying how wonderful this park is going to be. Well, I have to tell you, um, uh, it op- when it opens, the, the following summer is my 20th wedding anniversary, and I've already told my husband, Aww. we are getting remarried at Hogwarts. Mm. <gasps> oh, oh, Lisa, that's so 
cool, magically beautiful. I love it. I love You're it. invited, Sue. Oh, You're invited. You. <laughs> I wonder. Will they rent the hall out? Do you think that'd That's be so saying. cool if what they rented out the hall? Oh, they're gonna hall. have to have a chapel or something there. They're gonna have to. Can and I don't care if I'm standing on the lawn in front in a gown and you know declaring my undying love to my husband after 20 years and vowing for a couple 20 more. Um, I'll do it. It's, well, would you be in a gown or would oh, you be yeah. in a robe? I, you know what? I'll probably be in my robe. I have commissioned of some robes that actually are black, gold, and ruby, so that I will be kind of questy Ooh. and I will be Hogwarty at the same time. <laughs> That's awesome. That's. Can you imagine actually, if they did that though? I mean, people oh, would just go mad. They would just. They're going to have to. They're going to have to. And my That's husband, wonderful. who is so straight-laced and, and not, has never read the Harry Potter books, has not even read my books, to be perfectly honest, other than the first one, because he's not a reader. He's just not a reader, but he totally supports me 110%. He kind of looks at me and goes, you're serious, aren't you? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm serious. <laughs> We're getting remarried at Hogwarts. And he's like, wait till you show him the dress robe. Okay. <laughs> my kids are all over it. I have a Ravenclaw and a Gryffindor, and they are all over it, so sweet. Nice. <laughs> Um, uh, hey, uh, hey, John. Hey, what? I want to play a game from now on. A I game? have an idea. Game? I was watching television and, you know, television. Fertile. I enjoy television. Anyway, they have this show called Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? <laughs> no, no, no. And I was just curious. How no. many people think that they're smarter than John Noe? <laughs> well, not very many. <laughs> that would be good. I think we should do it. I, I think we should have people call up and we should give a canon question. And we should see okay. who gets the answer first. Are you smarter than like a horcrux? Like some kind of like question, like uh, what is what turns off the sonorous charm? What would that be? To, to which I would say, Nox. No, no, it doesn't. Wrong. That's the light one. <laughs> it's quiet. Dope. Uh, no, this it's is gonna quietus. be a fun game. That would be so quietus. I'm not I dumb. I don't know how the logic would, of it would work, but I think I think we should play. I'm it totally up some, for it. Can we? Can way. I enter? Can I call him? Let's do it. How about this? How about this? We'd have to call people oh, out. Okay. And so, so yeah. if you want to be, if you want to be considered for, are you smarter than John Noe? Just start sending us a, a number or a Skype name at which we can get you. You can do that at staff at podcast.com and when it's time for that we will just start calling you at random first person to be there for our call gets to play that is so cool people are love that sounds cool to me i love right, it because <laughs> we had so much fun uh, the, when we were on the podcast tour this summer about the wizarding duel that was just like the blast and then i remember the columbus one when you and your brother-in-law were hysterical just the two of you God, that oh that was my favorite fun. moment almost ever <laughs> so funny good time I have a personal shout out to Chris from Alleycast thank you very much and Jen they, I was just on the show and they were there and I blathered for oh, an fun. hour about Hufflepuff and Wizard Rock and it was they gave you an hour about Hufflepuff well, pretty much yeah it was, it was awesome wow it was very generous it was but you know oh, Chris, Chris is a she's a fellow puffer but it, it, it was it was awesome but I just wanted to <laughs> say thank you I also just want to say a quick. Um, Ali Castro suffered a, a very hard loss. One of their one yes. of their staffers' mothers uh, was trapped in a fire. She had multiple sclerosis and was was trapped in a wheelchair. And unfortunately, because of this, did not make it out of a fire. And so, our thoughts and prayers and hugs and everything are with them. And we hope that um, Mags is is doing better and that the love and support that always comes with the Harry Potter community can make its way to her right now. So absolutely. Yeah. It's very tragic. So sorry to, you know, but yeah, we said Alley Cast, so. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, no. But I haven't listened nice, to it, though. so I can't wait to listen. That's the one thing about this community. We support each other. Weapon is love or something, right? Absolutely. Hogwarts is love, okay, baby. Um, Harry's love. <laughs> just as a, a, a quick reminder, we're going to be at Terminus yes. in, in August. Lots of fun stuff coming, and I think um, some more related programming in the near future, so keep an eye out for that. Sue is, gonna, awesome. is head of house over there. She's, um... Yes. What's your house again? Pompero. Pompero. I, st- I still have to register. You know this? What? I have to register. Oh, I, I know. It's terrible. I know. Register. I know. I know. I registered, I but I still it. don't know what house I'm in, so... Oh. And I registered last fall. Really? <laughs> yeah, I know. You should email somebody about that, Lisa. Yeah. I know, I'm not, I probably I'm not allowed know. to do anything. I just I want to take this opportunity. I am not allowed to say, please put you know put them in Pampero House. I have so many people that have said, Sue, we wouldn't, you know, I mean, they're being very kind, but I have no influence. I'm not allowed to influence uh. at all. I mean, I get, no, seriously, I got yelled at. Don't, you know, and I'm no. like, okay. So I'm being, being oh. good. You know, just as McGonagall can't handpick her students, oh, it's the sorting hat's that's job. Right. So. Oh, McGonagall totally handpicked. No, I'm kidding. But you better be <laughs> in my house. Let's just put it that way. I'll be very sorely if you're not. Yeah. I mean, if I was there and I didn't get sorted into Sue's house, I'd probably call cab for the airport home. You won't. Although you could be just in Boo Boo's Boo Boo's house. That's why I'm calling him Boo Boo. Brian. Boo Boo. Boo is Brian from Crinkle the Malfoy. Oh, nice. <laughs> and- well, no doubt I'll be with the Slytherins. That's just how it works. You know. And to address what some people, a lot of people, have been asking about a Boston 2009 event that we mentioned in last year's. Um, I thought that was Joe coming to speak at Harvard. Yes, there's that, except that that's in 2008. And um, just just hang tight. The, the full and actual and non-accidental announcement on that <laughs> will be coming uh, in in the next few weeks. So that's all we're saying about that. And it'll be worth your time, people. Just hang in there. Absolutely. Yay! Just, just, just squeak. Just, just yeah. keep, keep your eye on the website for it to be covered with question marks floating across the oh, screen. Oh, God. <laughs> no! <laughs> Not the big red herring again. Red fish or whatever that was. Old time. <laughs> <laughs> There's no what we're talking about. We were so stupid back then. It was a good plan. It got people excited. <laughs> yeah. But it also destroyed our servers. Pretty so. much. So. Oh, all righty. Well, I think... You guys, until next time. Yes. Thanks, Elisa. Thanks for joining Thank us. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I had a great time. Keep twiddling those dials. The next password will be Land Tree. Keep each other safe. Keep faith. Good, Good night. We've missed it. I confess myself disappointed. Now. If you don't mind, I'm going to bed. Great, Scott. No wonder. Look at the time. We've been here nearly four hours. Spooky how the time flies when one's having fun. (laughs) This week's Pottercast was produced by the Pottercast Trio and Steve Bonnet. Thanks to our Scooby 5 team, Aaron and Nina. And thanks, as always, to our awesome transcription elves for transcribing this and all our other episodes on Pottercast.com. For more information about the show and how to contact us and be a part of future episodes, visit Pottercast.com.